Hi, I'm Tim Hernandez. Welcome to another edition of Words on a Wire. Today, our special guest is Devoya Mayo. She's a poet, artist, organizer, and DJ who goes by her alias, Miss Soulflower. She hosts her own podcast, Suck a Free Sundays. Her personal mission is to combine history, culture, and art to create opportunities that are educational, promote wellness, and foster meaningful inclusion in marginalized communities. And all of her work does exactly that. I've known her for many, many years, and it's really an honor to have her on our show today. Words on a wire. Devoya Mail, welcome to Words on a Wire. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And you're you're calling us from Fresno, Central California, right? That's right. Big Fresno. Uh, the Central Valley, yo. Central Valley, my home place, my home region. <laughs> well, one of my home regions. I got like three regions now, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I got the Central Why? Valley. Yeah, I got I got a, a front range of Colorado, and I got the borderlands here in El Paso, Texas. So, but that's definitely the original home there where you're at. So, yeah. Good to talk to you. It's good to see you. Um, you know, I know that we, we've connected over the many years and I wanted to talk with you. I wanted to invite you on the show, our show, because, you know, I know that aside from being a poet, an artist, an organizer, a DJ, you know, you've just been a mover and shaker there in Central California and in my own life. You've inspired me in so many ways over the many years. And I was just like, you know what? We got to get Devoya on this program and listen to see what she's got going on. I know you're doing a lot of stuff around the uh, wellness uh, sort of uh, movement as well, doing a lot of things in that regard. So mm -hmm. before we jump into all that, I want to ask you first, how are you? Um, I feel good today, yo. Yeah. I, it's not a million degrees here. It's in the 90s. That's always pleasant. I know yeah. that's crazy for other folks to imagine, but it's mad pleasant when it's under 100. And uh, I have no aches this morning. Uh, nice. my mama loves me, so I'm doing good. <laughs> oh, okay. good. That is right there. That is like focusing on the blessings, right? That's nice. <laughs> try it, try it. Yeah, I'm feeling that one, especially about not having aches. Like, yeah, I'm learning about that. So that's, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I never really thought about it before, but it's a legit thing. Like when you wake up and nothing cracks or creaks and you're like, yo, it I is, might be right? able to do my George Jefferson walk today. <laughs> I might be feeling myself this morning. <laughs> George Jefferson. I know which walk you're talking about, too. That you is, know the walk. You know, that's a strut. Yeah, for sure. That's a strut, man. You know that's what? when I'm feeling really good. If you see <laughs> that, you just know. She walking on sunshine today. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to work. I'm going to I'm gonna try and work that straight into my day at some point. I just think you should. Because it, you just reminded me of how good that felt. Just to watch him do it. I recommend people do it. I usually only do it when I cook something and it turns out really well Ooh. because I'm not a good chef. Yeah. So if I cook something well, I'm going to tell you right now, that strut is happening in that kitchen. In I don't kitchen. care if I'm by myself or it's a crew. But um, this morning I felt like doing it just to do it. So, yeah. Nice, nice. Well, I'm going to have to... Uh... I'm going to have to come into your kitchen at some point. I'm inviting myself. Let me cook you a meal and we can talk about it. That's right. Cool. Well, hey, I want to jump into, uh, you know, let's just get right into, into the nuts okay. and bolts. You know, I know you've got a lot of projects going on. Um, you're host of your own podcast. You know, I know you're a DJ. You know, you just got, always got your hands and 
and some kind of artistic endeavor and 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 that benefits the community at large you know um you know what's uh so what what wakes you up in the morning let me start there what is it that wakes you up every morning um it's changed over the years mm-hmm. you know um but it's mostly always just the prize like i'm always trying to find a nugget within in you know like within a consortium of like nonsense, I'm always looking for that one, be beautiful. And it can be small, it can be huge. But every day I just try to wake up and think about what's some good thing I can get out of today. And this morning, it was something really small and random, but it made me feel good to think about doing it. Um, But there's always an idea. It's never just, I wish I could just wake up to just be. I think that's probably ideal but my brain always wakes up with a little thought or a, an idea, um, sure. something movement-based, and then I try and execute that, so. Nice, nice. Yeah. That's, and I mean, you know, with all the things you've got going on, and we'll get into some of them in detail, further detail, but with all those things going on, I mean, how do you manage to keep, I mean, actually, this is just a, per, I, just want to, I just want some personal tips, really. How okay. do you manage to keep an, all your work and your projects together? Like, how do you manage to keep yourself <laughs> together through all that? don't know that I am keeping it together. I think that's the assumption that people have. Um, I don't know that I have. um, I've always had a fondness for umbrellas. So I think of all the things I do as under the umbrella of myself. And then I just kind of pick things that are like dangling underneath that bigger picture in my mind um, and try to do them a little bit of justice. I feel like I'm only giving most things, I'm, I'm giving most things such a minimal part of myself right. currently, which I'm not fond of, sure. um, but I love all the things underneath that umbrella of, of me um, because I'm not thinking of me as a personal being, just me as an ambassador to so many other things. Right. So if I wanna do things with kids or if I wanna do things with women, if I want to do things about gardening, I try to keep them all just sort of underneath a bigger scope so that I can address them systematically. Um, and in my mind, everything is, is a file cabinet. You know, I have all these files in my mind, right. like a physical file cabinet, and I just pull out and put in and move around. But um, I, could use, I could use some assistance with that. Um, <laughs> the file cabinet's a little... She needs a little, you know, she needs to purge a few things and add some better things in there. Um, but I'm not super great, I don't think, at separating them all. I want them all to feed one another. So, gotcha. Um, and, and it seems to me, and correct, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me that that you mostly, if if not even exclusively, but mostly take on projects that really speak to you, that call to you personally. It seems to me from, you know, as an outsider, it seems that you're taking on projects that really just kind of resonate with you on a personal level. And that's part of, I think, that umbrella. Is that right? Yes. Um, you're absolutely right. I made a, a conscious decision probably five, maybe longer than that, many years ago, um, to only do things that I really felt um, passionate about. And I know people use the word passionate loosely. I'm not using it in jest. I, I, it really has to mean something for me, not only personally, um, but even if I want to 
support others. Yeah. If I co-sign on something, it, it means I really care about it. I'm not just willy-nilly with my um with my time and my uh, actions. And so yeah, if it means something to me, I'll make the time under that umbrella to get it done. Yeah, definitely. And um you know, it makes me wonder also, you know, who were how did you well, I want to ask you how you got started in that kind of well, in this kind of uh, you know path, but but I think to get to the root of that, I want to ask you, you know, did you have any early influences, or who was, it, was there someone specific, a mentor, a teacher, a family member, who who you know sort of influenced you in that direction of organizing in the arts and and kind of thinking of community? Was there any one person or one movement or something that that inspired you? I I wish there was a person that I could name. Um, specifically, yeah. um, and I talk to my mom about this all the time because she's complete opposite of me. And for the longest time, I always wondered why am I interested in all these different movements? You know, we grew up with these encyclopedias. Mm. These um, Ebony put out a series of um, black encyclopedias in the late seventies, early eighties. Wow. I don't know how my mom <laughs> found those, wow. but they were our internal Bible at home. They were on the same shelf with the Bible, quite honestly. And so me and my siblings were all like voracious readers because on weekends, that was the thing I could figure out for us to do while she worked is like, look, yo, let's go to the bookmobile. So we always read, but we always liked reading about Black folks and movement building. And because those books were all kind of um, created right at the cusp of the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. they had sections. Um Harlem Renaissance, Black Panther Party. Uh, this is very early in our in our coming of age. And so because we weren't getting that stuff in school, sure, yeah. Um, I was like the little teacher at home. So me and my siblings, like when there was nothing to do, they want to learn a little bit more about um Nelson Mandela. We weren't getting that, we weren't getting that anywhere else. And so we sort of have always all been interested in those things but didn't know how to access them because this predates like the internet and all of that right yeah um and so over the years i just sort of fed off of literature and reading about things that happened in other places and then looking around my neighborhood and thinking yo we do that sort of thing here or i know this person that's that does that there and um i think poetry was the um incidental it was an accidental bringing no not accidental the arts definitely is part of um culture um in my community it really was the catalyst for teaching me how to be an organizer um in in the in a literal sense right so i would say that it all came together organically um over the years i've gotten mentors and folks that kind of push me in that direction but um as a child, I think it was mostly just that it was things that were available to me and like gravitated towards, and I just loved it. I always have. I did, I stole those encyclopedias when I moved out to the have house. Them? Yeah. You still have those? Of course. They're my, fa- they're my favorite thing. Wow. That's yeah, yeah, they're that's- my favorite thing. I don't know that something like that will ever be part of our lexicon um, in the future because, you know, physical books aren't valued in that way any longer. Um, but I once saw an exhibit 
and um, the artist names escapes me right now because COVID in Chicago, where um, I think it's Marcus Jamal. I'm not sure. Anyway, he did an installation mm-hmm. and he had Ebony encyclopedias as part of it. And I thought, oh my God, I wasn't, it wasn't just our family. It was other folks got this knowledge too. And he built the whole installation around that knowledge of it wasn't available for us, but we found it and this is what we built. That's incredible. I mean, and you're right, you know, <clears throat> I think especially, particularly encyclopedia sets aren't um, as, you know, treasured as as they once were. I know that my grandmother, and I this is kind of crazy because I don't know what my grandmother would have, she had no business <laughs> with encyclopedias, but my grandmother, <laughs> um, she she had like, I want to say she probably had like three, she never had the full set of encyclopedias. She just had like yeah. three, like maybe the letter M and the letter P or something. Like <laughs> yes. and, uh, and going to her house, it was always in the bottom shelf of her bookshelves and uh, or her little like, you know, curios cabinets. And and I would always pull those encyclopedias and just kind of sit down and gaze to them. And, you know, I was like, I know, that's how I learned what an aardvark was. It was like, what? Oh my God, see? <laughs> like, see? An what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously that was kind of the early, that was internet for us back in the day, mm-hmm. right? But, it um, was. But it was so tactile and engaging in that way. You know, you had to actually lift that thing off the shelf, first of all. Yes. And open Dust it up. Dust it off a little bit. And, you know, the beauty of that, whereas like the internet today, you kind of have to type into, I mean, you can come across things, uh, you know, accidentally, but for sure. But but you kind of, but you have to have an intentional sort of subject that you're going to type in to look for something. With the encyclopedia, right. If you're going to look up aardvark, you had to get through all kinds of other things before you found it and discovered right? stuff along the way, you know? Yeah. And they're siblings. And so we would, it was sort of like show and tell, you know? Yeah. You point at a picture and I still remember the, you know, the civil rights photo, The it's iconic, um, infamous photo of the dogs um, attacking yeah. Yeah. Um, Black folks and trying to explain that to my siblings who are, you know, I'm the oldest. And... I think about stuff like that now, like what kind of kids? I mean, we did other things too, clearly, but yes. to have the, um, you know, just your own internal will wanting to learn about like, what was this, Didi? Why was they doing this? And you explain, and I don't know if I explained right. I was a kid too. Um, but just getting that, that base knowledge then and thinking, oh, you can change how we think about ourselves and, and how others think about themselves just from having this knowledge. So I really feel like that had to be my my training ground was with me and my siblings um, to want to organize and share with other folks. Don't don't believe the hype. Um, here's here's who we are. That's right. And we can, we got to do the work. But if I'm doing the work, I'm gonna share it with you. And on that note, um, you know, I invited you to also maybe share a poem or two with us. Uh, sure. So I'm gonna give you a little space for that. Why don't you set us up, let us know who you picked or, or what you're gonna read from and, uh, and, and please. Sure, well, in keeping with this, um, as I said, you know, we used to go to the bookmobile on Saturdays and there was five of us and we'd all choose a book. I always, and this is like fourth grade, Tim, I don't know why my mama didn't say, uh, baby, you might want to get something a little more lighthearted. <laughs> but I remember picking up in the Shazi Shan case for colored girls. Wow. Like, who does that? I think about that so often. Right. Um, and I didn't understand it. Oh, but it was something about the way that she wrote. Everything comes out of magic hats or bottles with no bottoms. And parakeets are easy to get as a couple of rabbits are. 350 cent pieces. 
my daddy retired from magic and took up another trade because this friend of mine from third grade asked to be made white on the spot. What could any self-respecting colored American magician do with such an outlandish request? Except put all them razzmatazz, hocus pocus, zippity doodah thingamajigs away. Because colored children believing in magic was becoming politically dangerous for the race and wasn't nobody gonna be made white on the spot just from a clap of my daddy's hands. And the reason I'm so peculiar is because I've been studying up on my daddy's technique. And everything I do is magic these days. And it's very colored. Very now you see it, now you don't mess with me. I come from a family of retired sorcerers and penny ante fortune tellers with 41 million spirits and celestial bodies on our side. I'll listen to your problems, help you with your career, your lover, your wandering spouse, make your grandma's stay in heaven more gratifying, ease your mama's through menopause, and so show your son how to clean his room. Yes, yes, yes. Three wishes is all you get. Scarlet ribbons for your hair, Benoit balls via Hong Kong, and miniatures of Machu Picchu. All things are possible, but ain't no colored magician in her right mind gonna make you white. I mean, this is black magic you're looking at, and I'm fixing you up good, fixing you up good and colored, and you're gonna be colored all your life, and you're gonna love it, being colored all your life, colored and love it, love it being colored. And that was the voice of Devoya Mayo, poet, artist, podcast host, and organizer based in Central California. And that was a poem from the legendary Inosake Shange. What was the title of that again, Devoya? My father is a retired magician. My father's a retired magician. Is, would you consider, I know that you're a, you know, a, a wonderful poet yourself. I've read with you many times. We've even come out in, in an anthology together, probably even more than one anthology together. Um, but would you consider Enosake Shange one of your go-to authors or oh, yeah. other go-to authors? Yes, most <laughs> definitely. Um, I resonate with her on so many levels, um, her southernness, but her cityness. Um, her use of language and just incorporating so many different elements into her pieces. She uses music a lot, visuals, recipes, God, mm -hmm. hell, all the things that I think are dear to uh, us as a people, she encapsulate with, with her words. Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, because I, yeah, I think I remember you even, you and I must, must have had a conversation about her before, I'm sure we have, you know. Oh yeah, we have. Yeah, many times, and it and I was just reminded too that you used to work for Poets and Writers. I remember that uh, Inc. Poets and Writers Inc. The, yes. the organization. I remember going around all over California trying to create opportunities for writers. <laughs> myself, I owe a lot to that organization. They still hire me to do workshops sometimes. Work. <laughs> but, but I mean, how was it? Did you enjoy that experience, or how oh, did, I loved that, it. did that kind of inform you in new ways, or you know? Yes, I yeah. loved it. There would have been no way that I would have. Um, you know, I was used to what we have here in the Valley and it's so beautiful and rich. It never occurred to me to think out um, outside the Valley on a wider scope. Of course, I would think of other regions, but not where I lived so much. And right. so being able to travel up and down the Central Valley and um, provide opportunities for um, not just emerging poets, but already established folks who hadn't ever been given the opportunity um, you know, to be paid for their work or to do workshops and things like that. And so um, I, I count it as one of 
one of my um, my favorite times. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mine too. I remember that. Um, <clears throat> and now you're doing a lot of bit, a lot of work around holistic wellness healing there in the Central California region. What's that work like? Um, yeah. So a lot of that work is very similar to the things that you and I used to involve ourselves in. It's um, looking at mental wellness and communities of color and approaching it from a different light. And so um, the model that I use often is um, art and healing. And so um, in the state of California, Prop 63 allowed for a million dollar tax. So they taxed all these millionaires. They take um, from that pot and they set up um, pots of money for communities of color to have community centers um, and provide wellness activities that um, help address your mental wellness in a non-Western type um, experience. So we offer yoga, meditation. Sometimes yeah. we have poetry readings. We have yeah. a healing garden on site. Um, we have Zumba, we have African dance. And we know that all these modalities have kept people well for centuries, well before we were here. Yeah. But to have the um, knowledge that these, do, these things do keep you well is often not available. And so we like to um, create these opportunities and showcase um, them, but also let folks know by doing this particular art collage, you are decompressing right now. Your, um, you know, right. your hand-eye coordination helps with this, or all the all the different things, and so it's it's really gratifying that the work that we've always done does help keep you well. I'm, I know I've always felt better being involved with um, community and doing things with artists, and to find out these many years, although I know that we knew it in our hearts that there's a science behind that, and then that becomes your vocation. It's kind of like mind blowing to me that I was hired because of the things I do in community. And it okay. took a good two years for me to stop thinking what I did in community wasn't worthy of being a career. The right. first two years I was here, I really didn't connect my personal work right. with what I do here. And now they all kind of mesh together and I'm okay with it. What's the, when you say here, what's the name of the uh, outfit that you're working for? Then? Uh, it's the Holistic Cultural and Education Wellness Center. Right, right, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I get to do all the things we've always done from a different lens. Beautiful, yeah, I remember having going, having the privilege of going to see, um, yeah, I think you hosted a kind of a talk, a discussion, like a lunch, brown bag lunch discussion of some kind. And uh, mm -hmm. just being able to listen to community elders or just folks in the community who had you know, a testimony or something to offer, that kind of conversation opened up so much space for, I think, a lot of healing, a lot of expressing of oneself. And there, you know, I just remember really being in awe of, of just that event that you had hosted there at your, at your center, which was probably, I think it, for me, it was probably about three or four years ago when I was there, I think. And, and I just happened yeah, to pop in. You invited me and I happened to pop in. So nice. that kind of work, I know it's really important what you're doing there. Um, what, what, okay, now just, Outside of your day, your uh, your daily job there, um, you know, just with all the things you've got going on, again, because I know that you're also a DJ, you know, you also uh, host your own podcast, you know, I know that you're always involved, like you said earlier, organizing events and whatnot. Uh, is there one project right now that you've got going on that you're just particularly excited about? I really am excited about the podcast. Um, 
you know, I had a background in radio and I missed it. I, I knew that I missed it, but I didn't want to go back to that in particular. So when the idea was presented to me, um, it was during COVID and, you know, I'm super social, but was very sheltered in and hadn't been around folks or had conversation with people that I love or admire. And that allowed me that um, flexibility to do that because I was able to do it via Zoom. Um, It saved my mental health, but it also reignited this joy that I get from um, talking to people about things that they enjoy and kind of geeking out about music at the same time. And so I would say that the Sucker Free Sunday podcast is, is, it's my favorite little vibe right now. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, for our listeners out there, you should definitely check that out. It's called Sucker Free Sunday. Uh, It's a wonderful podcast and they can get that, I guess, off of any of the other uh, podcast avenues, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. It's a lot of fun. Five songs. We pick five songs and and talk about them and and just everything comes up with those based on those five songs. So it's a wonderful podcast. It really is. Um, That said, um, I wanted to ask you uh, one more thing, and that was because we were kind of running out of time here. But, you know, um, are you do you feel like you're doing what you love? Would you say you're doing what you love? I think in a, in a sense, I'm the closest I've ever gotten to doing what I love. Um, I'll be honest with you, if I were doing it for myself with less, you know, with anything, there's restrictions. But if I were doing exactly what I'm doing now without the restrictions, I would be in love with what I'm doing. Now I love it, but I want to be in love with what I'm doing. And so I'm trying all the baby steps to get there. But, you know. I ain't no spring chicken. I got to step it up. <laughs> I got to step it up, yo. <laughs> no, I hear that. I hear that. Um, well, with that, uh, do you have one more poem you want to take us out with? Sure. I have a short one from Miss yeah. Rita Dove Perfect. called Demeter's Prayer to Hades. Is that cool? S- tell me the title again. Uh, Demeter's Prayer to Hades. Mm, nice. Okay, good, good. Okay. This alone is what I wish for you. Knowledge. To understand each desire has an edge. To know we are responsible for the lives we change. No faith comes without cost. No one believes without dying. Now for the first time, I see clearly the trail you planted. What ground opened to waste. Through you dreamed a wealth of flowers. There are no curses, only mirrors held up to the souls of gods and mortals. And so I give you this fate too. Believe in yourself. Go ahead, see where it gets you. Demeter's Prayer to Hades is a short poem from the collection Mother's Love. Its central theme is that of the mother-daughter relationship and the complex issues surrounding. Beautiful, thank you for that. Uh, And if you're just tuning in, that is the voice of poet, organizer, artist, and podcast host, Devoya Mayo, based in Central California. Devoya, you know, as always, it's, it's a pleasure talking with you and I want you to know that, you know, uh, I'm grateful uh, for all the work you do in the communities there in California, but also beyond, you know, which we didn't even get to get into sort of the worldliness of, of all your work as well. But, um, but, you know, you've always been an inspiration and uh, thank you for coming on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I, I, I think the world of you and you've ins- inspired me leaps and bounds. So this is mutual. And um, I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. You too.
And that wraps it up for this edition of Words on a Wire. We'd like to thank our special guest today, Devoya Mayo. Also want to give a special shout out to our fabulous in-studio producer, Sam Cassiano, and our podcast producer, Claudia Flores. I'm Tim Hernandez, and we'll see you next Sunday, same time and place, right here on KTEP 88.5 FM.